0: Hi,
1: and welcome back to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. And if you're on the road or you're doing something, just use this as a deep breathing exercise to get you really present and in your body. So let's go ahead and begin to breathe. Breathe in through your nose and allow your chest and your belly to fully expand taking in the maximum amount of oxygen, the fullness of your breath. And as you exhale, just go ahead and relax and sink in. Be in your body, be in your breath. This time as you breathe in, breathe in golden sunlight, pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being, to your fingers, your toes, all through your core, through your heart, through your head, pure golden sunlight. And as you exhale, go ahead and sink in a little bit deeper. This time as you breathe in, breathing in golden sunlight, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and just spend a moment breathing in complete gratitude. could be for something somebody said to you, someplace you visited, It could be for anything. Just allow yourself to be in that space of gratitude. Go ahead and open your eyes. I just love doing a golden pause before we begin the podcast because, of course, it helps me get grounded and centered and hopefully my guests, too. So, We have a very special guest today as part of the Real Life Heroes series. And, um, first of all, I just want to say that none of the people that I've invited on this podcast series might really see themselves as a hero, but I just want you to know that I see them as a hero. And I've created this series as a celebration of my new book from heartbreak to wholeness, the hero's journey to joy. Now, this is a very special person that I had the pleasure of meeting along the path of healing. And I have to say that Tom Zuba is one person that also really helped to heal me and after you hear his story i think you'll know why i met him after i wrote my book um heartbroken open a memoir through loss to self-discovery and um, we had many long talks where i knew that this man really understood my walk and my journey of overcoming grief coming through grief and coming out the other side he has walked it many times you can find Tom on TomZuba.com. He writes a wonderful blog. He's a regular radio show guest. He has written a book, Permission to Mourn. Beautiful book that really is, states how valid and important your grief is to your healing. And also how um, important it is to give yourself that, that permission to feel your feelings and to go through your grief, not to deny your grief. We'll be talking about that with Tom in just a few short moments. But what I want you to know about Tom is that he has walked the path that the heartbroken have walked. He's walked it many times, and he's had his heart shattered and his life shattered every time like all the rest of us. But when you look at Tom's eyes, you really see a vibrant, alive human being. And that's the very message that I want you to get from my latest book, and from all of my messaging as well, is that this state that you're in, this heartbroken state is temporary and it won't last forever. And so let me bring Tom Zuba in to tell you his journey and his story and um, share with you so much about his life. Thank you, Tom, for being on the podcast.
0: You're welcome, Chris. I'm really happy to be here. So this is how I open my book. I believe that words have power. And I was very conscious about the words I chose to open it. I am an ordinary person. I am just like you. That is really, really important to remember. And I'm blessed in that I have had many, many phenomenal teachers. And one teacher that I never got to meet on this planet, this go-round, uh, is Debbie Ford. And one of the things that Debbie Ford said in The Dark Side of the Light, Chasers, is whatever you see in me, the only reason you are able to see it is because that exists in you as well. Take those words to heart. So this is how I tell my story now. I've had a fascinating amazing, unbelievable, I mean, really unbelievable life that involves learning to live with the death of my little brother, Daniel Patrick, when I was six years old. Oh, wow. Learning to live with the death. And I'm going to use the word death, although I'm putting that in parentheses because I am so clear that it's not the right word, Um, the essence of who we are, our soul, our energy, our spirit, that continues. And even to say that our body dies, that's not true. I mean, the matter that we are made of, it just gets recycled. I'm going to use the word death. I I actually kind of like it, but that's not what I mean. So, My 18-month-old daughter, Erin Brennan Zuba, the light of my life, the love of my life, the person that came to this planet. And when I held her, I felt closest to God, closer to God than I have ever, ever, ever felt before. Um, She died really, really suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, On July 18th of 1990, she was 18 months old. What she really did, what I'm really clear, she came to the planet for really, really specific reasons, like every single one of us. She accomplished everything she came here for. She gloriously dropped her body at 18 months and she returned home. That's actually what she did. You know, on May 24th of 2018, I know that. On July 18th of 1990, I did not know that. And that event shattered me. It shattered me. The words on the back of my book are, the death of someone we love cracks us open, inviting us to become the people we were born to become. I know that that's true now. I didn't then. So after Aaron died, my wife, Trish and I had two really, really beautiful sons, Rory and Sean. And Trish was so smart. Her maiden name was Brennan. So she made sure that all of our kids maiden name, our middle name was Brennan, Rory Brennan Zuba, Sean Brennan But She loved being Brennan. And on, um, believe it or not, on new year's day, of 1999, when our kids were three and seven, after being in the hospital for 52 hours, my 43 year old wife died, New Year's Day. The next day would have been our daughter's 10th birthday. So for the second time in my life, I was shattered. I was obliterated. But the way that I describe it is when Aaron died, I didn't believe there was a light at the end of the tunnel when Trish died, I knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel. That, that altered the experience somewhat. So I literally, for the second time, I clawed and clawed and clawed and I got out of the deep, dark pit. The kids and I created what people call a new normal. And I actually was really, really happy again. I loved, I loved being my kid's mother and father. I loved it. Not at first, but once I followed Eckhart Tolle's advice to, you know, stop waging war with life um, and embrace the opportunity I had, I absolutely loved it. So when Rory was in uh, going into seventh grade, he was a genius, literally, 99th percentile on the Stanford Nines. Two days after seventh grade, he had a—I wasn't sure if it was a seizure or a stroke in the middle of the night—began a six-month odyssey. Um, in November of 2004, he was diagnosed with a glioblastoma. It's the same brain cancer that John McCain has. It's terminal. I decided not to go the route of um, Western medicine. I did, however, try to push the envelope, and I thought, I'm going to take all this New Age advice, and I am going to create a happy, healthy, cancer-free Rory Brennan Zuba. That was my intention. I did everything. I flew him to Seattle, to Houston. We did crystal bowls, um, Reiki, cranial sacral therapy, ashes from India, holy water from Medjugorje, and Lords. you name it, we did it. You wanna know what? <laughs> that kid died anyway. I literally, the last night of his life, he was on a ventilator. Trish had been on a ventilator. I know, I, know, I know the outcome. The outcome is the dad, me, or the husband, me says, it's time to take the ventilator out. They leave their body. So I literally, I, I laid in bed with him that last night and I said to God, get the hell out of this room. You cannot have him. You cannot take my son. And I said to Trish, if you're here, you have Aaron get out of here. You can't have him. And I want to make this really clear. I was never, ever, ever worried about him. I was actually envious. He was fascinated by time travel, parallel universes, um, the black hole. I knew the most amazing adventure was going to begin for him again. I was worried about me. I was like, I cannot, I cannot do this grief thing a third time. The kid died anyway, as I said, and the gift to me in that, every single human being dies at the right time in the right way. Why? Because we are loved that much. We are loved that much. The quote, God that I believe in would not allow any of us, any of us, to leave our physical bodies in the wrong way. That's where I am today.
1: Wow. Well, that's amazing. And I know our listeners are thinking that, you know, the same thing I thought when I heard your story was just, wow. It, it, it's amazing that you have that attitude today. And I'd love for you to share with our listeners, like, what was your healing process? Like each time that you your you know, heart was shattered, how did you step into your healing? What, what is it that you did? What do you think are the pivot turns that you made in order to arrive at the place you are today?
0: So I want to make this really, really clear. Each time after Aaron died, after Trish died, and after Rory died, I would say I spent three to five years in pretty heavy grief. Uh, it would be easy to say that, that those are 9 to 15 lost years. They're not lost because what I realize now is that my version of God and the people I love that crossed over, they were in the deep, dark pit actually holding me. But I did. I mean, you know, 9 to 15 years, it's, it's like Jesus, you know, tracing through the desert. So I want to make this clear because people say, oh, you're so positive. I I don't know that I'm so positive. I'm grateful and I'm certainly filled with joy. But let's be honest, if two of your children left their bodies and your wife did, do you think maybe you would consider suicide once or 10 times? You would, and so have I. I want to make that really, really, really clear. This this is walking through hell. What I wrote in the book is we have walked through fire. We have walked through fire and we can do it again and again and again and again. So where I am now, and this is 25 years. I I believe in soul contracts. I have a son, Sean, who's 23. I'm really curious. It's like, what soul is he that he thinks this is the perfect path. You know, his sister's dead before he enters. His mom dies when he's three. His brother dies when he's in fourth grade. Who is Sean? But for me, I chose this. And the reason that I chose this was to have the opportunity to learn everything that I have learned so that not one other person has to go through what I've gone through. I'm grateful for that. I am incredibly, incredibly proud of myself. So what have I learned? Number one, this is key. This is key. We have to answer the question, what is God? Not who is God, but what is God? And, I'm putting God in quotes because God does not care what we call it. The universe, the force, our higher power. But absolutely everything in my work goes directly back to what is God. And as I told you, I believe that we are loved so much, we are loved that much, that it's impossible for us to die at the wrong time in the wrong way. Okay, Tom, it was just a shooting in Texas at that school. What about that? Yes, 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 yes. That too. There are no exceptions. The Holocaust. Yes. Nine eleven. Yes. All of it.
1: Tom, I think what I love about what you're saying is is the same thing that was on your daily quote um, on your website from Byron Katie, and just from a philosophy that has definitely. Run through my life and my spiritual awareness, and that is that life happens for us, it doesn't happen to us. And that is certainly, um, this that is certainly the story that I have told myself along my own journey as well that to be a victim amidst adversity and circumstances, amidst loss, doesn't serve you. And yet, as human beings, of course, we have our moments, our dark night of the soul, where we feel self pity, but. I think what both Tom and I would tell you is that it's all right to feel how you feel, but just know that if you stay in that place, you're going to stay in that place, right?
0: The darkness has its purpose. It really, really does. So does the isolation. So does loneliness. It has its purpose, but it's not meant to be our forever place.
1: No, it definitely has its purpose, though, and it's a part of the healing journey. It's definitely one that I allude to, too, Tom, is that I want people to feel the fullness of their grief because they're standing on some of the most fertile ground that they've ever stood on when they're in grief. And to be broken, open, and awake, awakened to a greater expression of life is, is one of the most beautiful things that can ever happen to you, but you will completely miss it if you don't absolutely choose it at some point.
0: So I believe that every moment happens for us. I've come to that place. Every moment, every person we encounter, every thought we have, everything is happening for us. And the choice is always peace peace or pain, peace or pain. And as human beings, I do not understand why we collectively created this. I think we have the opportunity for a huge shift, but what we've collectively created is the truth that until the pain is so indescribable, unbearable, most of us will not change. So when the pain is just too, too, too much, it's like a little turtle. We, we put our head out of the shell and we say, there must be something else. Maybe there's something else. Listen, I'm going to tell you what the something else is. Peace, 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 choose peace. We, we each, and this is a beautiful tie-in with your book, Chris, but we each tell ourselves stories about the death of our loved one, about the divorce, about being fired from our job, about the, our house being in foreclosure, we tell ourselves stories about our life after that. The majority of those stories are not based on anything that's true.
1: No, that's, that's nothing.
0: And, the, and they're on a conscious and a subconscious level. So the gift of our pain. Dive into the pain. Figure out what is the belief I'm holding on to that is the root of this pain. And as Marianne Williams says, create a miracle, a shift in perception. Change the way you're looking at it. People will say, oh, Tom, you've had such a tragic life. Words have power. If I went around saying I had a tragic life, I wouldn't be alive. I've had a fascinating life.
1: You have, and life is full of all of it. And I think that's what you show so much. You have such an um, amazing zest for life, and for your own life, and and yet you embrace all of it. And that's so much the key message of the hero's journey, too, is is to choose to walk that path of embracing it. To you know, be committed to your own healing, to be committed to your own awakening. And what I love about you and so many others in our world is that you've used your story and taken your story to help so many people and to give back to humanity. And if this is not one of the reasons why some of our loved ones die and leave this earth if not to awaken us to living our lives more fully, I don't know what is, you know, that certainly it was my experience in my loss um, was to awaken to life and to embrace my life fully and completely and to feel my life. You know, I, I wasn't really walking around like fully feeling life when, until Richard died. And then suddenly it says, it's what Joseph Campbell said in one of his interviews with Bill Moyers, he said, you know, by God, you might be suffering, but by God, you're feeling alive.
0: <laughs> we've been taught from such an early age, we've been told a lie that, that we're, we're, we deserve to be happy all the time. You know, people that are fully alive allow themselves to feel the full, full, full range of emotion. And my hunch is this might be true for you, Chris, I will never forget the times that I thought, I'll never be happy again. Not really. I'll never feel joy again. We don't forget that. Now when I feel joy a lot, it's more joyful. It's richer because I remember the day that I thought this would never, ever be possible. Carolyn May said something a long time ago that I love. She said, and it's so provocative and counter to what a lot of people believe, but we determine the speed at which we heal. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We determine the speed at which we heal. To your point, Chris, we're not victims. Mm -hmm. And what, what my purpose is, is to share as succinctly as I can, everything that I've learned, so people have the knowledge, wisdom, and the tools right away, so that they can heal at a really, really rapid rate. It, it It is ridiculous to think that, that we have to suffer for five years or suffer for three years. We don't. No. None of us came to this planet to suffer the rest of our days. But because we have free will, if you want to join the crowd that is suffering for the rest of their days, go right ahead. But why?
1: Well, yeah, and I think that a lot of people mistake love for grief and that, if you're not grieving deeply for years and years, then you're, you didn't love deeply enough. And that's just simply another myth that we tell ourselves or that a story that we tell ourselves. I know you haven't had a chance um, to read my book yet, Tom, but I'm going to send you one. Um, after our interview here, I want to get your mailing address. But at the back of the book, I actually do um, a soul inquiry and a writing process because I want people to begin to frame their own story, begin to see how they can choose to be the hero of their own journey and how they can walk the path of healing and become empowered on healing in healing in the same way that I did in the same way that I believe that you did as well. And so many others and that how important it is to um, be able to share your story from the perspective of the hero's lens or even fake it until you make it because it is so empowering and again I love what Tom is saying that you are where you are there's no shame in being where you are there's no shame in you know being in a place that you are but I just want you to know and I know Tom's story gives you such hope You know, such hope for returning to a place of wholeness and joy. And the other thing I just want to highlight what you said, because it kind of refers to my later chapters about wholeness, Tom, is that you talked about that you loved being both mother and father. And in my own journey, you know, Richard really took on much of the masculine in in our world. And I really defaulted to him much of the feminine. I mean, much of the masculine. And I took on the feminine, although I will say that it was like having two mothers in one home. He was very nurturing to our daughters. Yet I definitely deferred the masculine to him. And one of the conclusions that I came up to was the opportunity that I had to rediscover my more masculine qualities that I had deferred to Richard. And certainly life thrust me into that. But it's actually made me a much more integrated person today. And that's the gift. That's one of the gifts, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. A whole human being is a balance of masculine and feminine. This is something This is something that I wish we hadn't have done. I wish we hadn't labeled these qualities and characteristics, feminine and masculine, because in my opinion, men over the age of 40 will never, ever, ever, I shouldn't say that, but it's really, really difficult to be comfortable saying, I'm embracing feminine characteristics and qualities. Thank you, Jesus. People my son's age, boys my son's age, young men, the lines are blurred, so they have a much easier chance of becoming whole without having to experience what you and I have experienced. I want to say this, though. I have read chapters of your book, and I am thrilled that I'm included in the book, and I was really, really happy to endorse the book, so folks, buy this book.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Tom. I'm really, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. I couldn't do this podcast without having you. i interviewed tom for the book um back in the summer and i listened to the recording and i thought oh i'm just gonna i'm gonna have him on again (laughs) get get it get it really right and for this particular recording so i want to thank you for being on again you can find out more about tom at tomzuba.com, and please go and also um pick up a copy of permission to mourn it's a beautiful book and it will really help you
0: and I want to share one more thing okay. on, on July 24th, which is my son Rory's birthday. My second book, which is called becoming radiant, a new way to do life will be available.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. Yay. That's wonderful. All right. Well, a shout out to you, Tom. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Bye. Thanks
0: for listening to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff. Christine's new book, From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy, is available at all major booksellers. Visit from with your receipt of purchase to receive some fabulous free bonuses. That's from